Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome to On the Table, uh, and we're doing a, a Song of Ice and Fire, the miniature game podcast here, and we're starting with episode one. Uh, I'm Chase, and this is Josh. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we thought we'd talk a few about just the game in general and preview some of the things this podcast is going to offer. Before we get into that, I thought maybe we'd just talk a little about who we are and what background we bring to this game. So, Josh, what's your kind of gaming background or pedigree? Sure. Well, uh, you know, been playing board games for a long time. Uh, you know, rocking the Battle Masters, the Hero Quest, the Weapons and Warriors <laughs> uh, as a kid. Uh, played a lot of Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer 40K. Uh, kind of took a break for a while. Got back into it with uh, X-Wing. And then, uh, you know, I just saw the uh, the Kickstarter ad for this one. And I was like, it just really harkened back to those. Uh, old days of pushing around my uh, legions of spearmen and archers and bolt throwers. So I was thought, you know, this would be a, a cool kind of thing in the uh, Game of Thrones universe. Yeah, that's something How I think you? we, a little bit of similarity there. I was definitely a uh, Games Workshop fan, especially going back to middle school yeah. and up and, and playing uh, basically everything, all their IPs, with the exception of a few like uh, Battlefield Gothic or Battlefleet Gothic. So I was playing, you know, Necromunda, Warmer Fantasy, Warmer 40K. Yeah. Uh, Gorka Morka, classic Blood Bowl, all those things. So really enjoying those sort of tabletop war gaming uh, games. Getting into X-Wing a little bit with you, actually. And then, you know, War Machine and Hordes as a, a more modern-day alternative to the expense of Games Workshop. And then uh, most recently, <laughs> Legion. And then when I saw the Kickstarter for this, I was so excited just for the theme. And uh, I was kind of bummed because I was like, oh, I'm going to get this game, but, you know, who am I going to play it with? And then I saw, this is the most random thing, but I saw the name Josh on there, uh, on the comments. Yep. And I was like, gee, yep. I know a Josh. This, I wonder if this is the same Josh. Oh. It just said Josh. And out of the blue, I just like, I think I Facebook messaged you. I'm like, hey, have you seen this? And you were like, yeah, I already, I already backed it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't this know is if, a great thing. I don't know if it was actually you or if it was that other Josh, <laughs> the infamous Josh, but... A Josh that commented, you know, that made the connection. So maybe meant to be. This game is that it's coming along at a time when I'm old enough to afford it. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, I don't know how I ever bought Warhammer models when I was, you know, 12 years old. Uh, but I, <laughs> I figured out a way to kind of cobble this together. But then I was like, you know what? This Kickstarter is coming out and going crazy. But I think what I really liked about this game, like the thing that kind of hooked me in right away was I really liked that it was focused on movement and positioning and it had the alternating activations you know a lot of stuff that i i really didn't like about you know the old fantasy games 40k was the very plotting sort of style and i thought this game was just it, it flowed so much faster uh and it looked like it was much more focused on you know getting behind the enemy and really making sure that you're making smart decisions and clever plays and, and that's the style of play that i really like i think that's what drew me into x-wing and, and then definitely what drew me into this game as well in particular for this game the selling point was also at the speed at which you can play the alternating activations and uh coming from war machine most recently it's tough when you play like a long game and you're sitting there waiting for your opponent to take like a 15 minute turn or something and you're doing nothing and, uh, and you know, maybe you're playing with a, a clock. But if you're not, these games can it can take a long yeah. time. And, and in this game, you can sit down and, and play oh, yeah. with, in relative ease, you know, an, an hour or, or two and, and have a lot of fun and not get bogged down in a lot of, you know, smaller details and minutiae that are 
are not really making you have more fun. The rules are streamlined, cut a lot of the fat out of like, you know, the unnecessary sort of rulings. Uh, having having called the, the Games Workshop hotline as a kid over, <laughs> yes. a, you know, 30 minute argument with a friend of mine over some uh. corner case rule. Not saying that that's impossible, because I'm sure that there's already been some some rules questions as we got into this. Now but, it's on Facebook. Uh, People saying, you know, why isn't the developer <laughs> responding to my Facebook post? Yeah, well, it's. I think it's probably got buried under like 4,000 <laughs> people saying, you know, I haven't gotten my package yet, or I just yeah. got my package. Or... <laughs> uh, the Kickstarter actually wasn't that bad compared to some other Kickstarters I've been involved with. It was a long yeah. wait because you're so excited for the game. And it did get pushed back. What, how many months was it? Two months? Out in like April, April. And it ended up coming out closer to August. I mean, am I wrong? Is it, was it? I thought it felt like it was like three or four months. Maybe it was three months. You're right. So maybe that's quite a long time. I don't know. I've got stuff I was telling you uh, where I got it like a year or two later. And I was like, oh, like this is uh, I'm no longer interested in whatever I purchased here. It, you know, that time has right. passed. Um, but I feel like they're pretty good at communicating with their, their, their updates. Um, so, you know, yeah. I was just excited. I just wanted to play it. You when know, Kickstarter show up that I just completely uh, when it shows up, I immediately have no interest in playing it and sell it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I've that, done recently. That, too. So, you know, what this about when I was just jumping at the bit? Yeah. So what about this game You know, makes it fun or, or what do you uh, enjoy the most out of this? I think the theme like, I, you know, I think you and I are both big Game of Thrones fans. I'm super into, you know, the books uh, and the show, of course, I have. Pretty much every Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire game that exists. So I have like the, you know, the classic <laughs> FFG board game. I've got the, the card game. Now I've got the miniatures game. You know, uh, I think the only thing I don't have is the uh, Game of Thrones Settlers of Catan <laughs> game. <laughs> All the, uh, the spinoff games that are, you know, the what about the, the cheap like Monopoly yeah. reskin? They must have one of those Game of Thrones Monopoly. They have I that don't... for everything, you know. <laughs> Well, at least I know what to get you I for the holidays. Fit, then. Though, to the theme, like a Game of Thrones, just like grinding your family <laughs> into the dust. Like, oh, you know, do not pass the phrase. Like, do not, you know, you don't cross and or go straight to right, the dungeon, exactly. flea bottom. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really cool about this game is is not only the theme because it's it's awesome and it's it's rank and file fantasy battles, but also the the other mechanics that they slipped in that feel like more modern game mechanics that they've sort of either begged, borrowed, stole, or invented or reinvented. Uh, but things like the NC, the non-combat units, the NCUs, and the tactics board, and being able to put them on there. At first, I was like, oh, it's kind of a cool gimmick. Really, it has a huge impact. And I can't think of how many games with you, you know, that's really turned the tide of the battle. Well, so I think, I mean, if you're going to have something based on A Song of Ice and Fire, I'm going to say Game of Thrones because it's so much shorter. But, but like, if you're going to have a game based on that universe, right, how do you not have like a political intrigue element. <laughs> right. Of it, you know, could you picture a world where you don't get to use Cersei or Catelyn Stark or, you know, Maester Aemon or, you know, like th- there's yeah. so many like really that, cool characters that, yeah, I mean, they're not wielding a sword, but they're super interesting and they're huge parts of the story. Uh, so it's just really cool to have like not just them represented on the table, but also having them actually directly impact the game. And then the, the flavor win for me is that, each of them has their own style, their own uh, rules, their own, and it all feels like the character. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's been fun to see how the tactics cards for the factions being tied to the tactics board really bring out more of that flavor even further. Having the different locations, for example, you know, as a Lannister wanting to take the crown or in some cases using wealth, that just adds a whole other dimension. And I'm excited to see down the line some of those new factions they're announcing 
and seeing how they're also yeah. relying on some of those key elements like mobility, but how that's slightly different or works differently than with the Starks or other factions that maybe seem to have similar approaches, but it manifests in a totally different way based on the cards and the board slots. I mean, well, th that's another good thing. I think, uh, you know, something that I found like encouraging and, and, you know, my imagination just ran wild with this game is just thinking about all the things they could do with it, all the houses that they could eventually bring into the game. You know, you have because right now we've got uh, we've got the Stark and Lannister starter set. They have teased the Night's Watch and the Free Folk, the Wildlings starter sets. But then you know you can just kind of let you know let your imagination run wild. I'm sure that you know Daenerys Targaryen is going to be in the game at some point. You'll have the Greyjoys, the you know the Baratheons. You know there's all kinds of mercenary houses uh, which we've already seen with the Boltons that came in the Kickstarter. So I mean it's just you know you you can really do some cool stuff uh, with this world and, and keep game going for a very long time oh man I'm, I'm pumped the wildlings i think that's the faction i'm the most excited to play and uh they're coming out as the the second released faction after the night's watch that's that's gonna be awesome yeah it's gonna be cool i think if you collect uh the free folk i'll go i'll go night's watch okay all right so that you have deal. the you have the one that's the swarm army so you have to <laughs> buy a lot more stuff <laughs> well fair enough fair enough we get giants too and gosh darn well we'll definitely do a a, a yeah. deep dive on them coming forward uh but man a lot of things on the horizon absolutely are there any concerns you have for this game you know i think that the, the only thing that's like a little bit herky-jerky is uh if you're thinking about uh the retail presence of the game which you know at this point here we are it's like mid-august the game actually hasn't come out yet so you know that part of it i think is a little bit missing uh at the moment you know it feels like you know we got the kickstarter backers have all gotten their stuff but it feels like you know maybe we're a little bit insulated uh and you know it, the word hasn't really spread like we'd like it to to other people who may end up not backing the kickstarter but buying the, the set uh so what i'm hoping is uh with you know uh, this podcast and, and, you know, you know, kind of getting the word out to the community is, you know, spreading the word about how great this game is and, you know, get more people involved in it and, and get the uh, organized play ball rolling and really uh, share the uh, share the love of the game with everybody else. Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat there. And, and I think, you know, as they go and release more factions, Starks are obviously going to be a big draw. Uh, there might be some Lannister fans out there as well. Uh, but if you're just walking around and you're not a tabletop Ooh, miniature game. Ooh. Oh, what what <laughs> what kind of what kind of horrible person is a Lannister fan? Oh, first off, what I've got my I've got my Lannister army all painted up to the first ones. They they hit the table. Um I'm working the ins yeah. and outs. We'll we'll do the Lannister talk. Uh the Lannister supremacy. So you know you're a terrible person. Uh it's just that oh, Lannister yeah. supremacy that's rubbing <laughs> you the wrong way. It's it's uh but uh we'll we'll go there. But I think some of the some of the factions that I think would really draw people in would be the Targaryens. And if you had Daenerys and you have the dragons, there's a lot of people that I think would just buy the models, would buy the starter set that had that. And so it's yeah. in, I'm interested to see how they're kind of waiting on that. And I don't know if there's a, a particular strategy, but I could see maybe if I was trying to get someone who's not as, you know, a diehard fan of A Song, and Fice, a Song of Ice and Fire, the, the actual um, IP, it might be hard to get them into this game. And so I think as we get more choices out there, it'll be easier to, to grow the community. Yeah. The other thing that's been kind of difficult, I think, is... The rules. Now, I think the rules are, are generally well-written, but coming from a CMON game, it doesn't have the same sort of history uh, an established uh, rule system that maybe FFG or like a game like Magic the Gathering has where you know, like, here's how they do things. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, how does this card trigger? Well, you know, you can go down a procedural step in Magic and it's go, well, this phase happens, then this, then this, then this, then this. 
And uh, because it's more established of a game, people are more familiar and they know how to interpret those where I feel like we're kind of figuring that out. And, And when there's been rules discrepancies, People have been like, well, no, in Magic, you would have done this. Or people would say, no, 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 you got to read it like this. And we haven't really established that tradition yet. So more clarity and yeah, more time. Know, we gotta, we, exactly. We just got to give them some more time to, to figure out uh, the ins and outs. And I'm sure, you know, that they've got a, you know, a FAQ and an errata working. Uh, and then before you know it, I mean, the game hasn't actually released yet. Right. Know? So the rule book we have is essentially what would be like an FFG, like learn to play guide, right? That's true. Uh, now what we need is the other half, which is the, okay, nitty gritty stuff, you know? I think particularly that, you know, now that you and I have played a few games, uh, we're finding it especially in like the card effects, you know, sometimes tactics cards, but mostly like the game card effects, like the Game of Thrones objectives. Yes, and, yes. Um Oh gosh, what is Storm of Swords? We had a couple questions today. And so I think if we can just clean up a little bit of that and, you know, set proper expectations, then I think we'll be in, in fine shape. But again, I think that, you know, the game is super fun. So even if you were like, if you were playing it like a hardcore tournament style, you know, I don't think the, the rules are quite ready for prime time. But if you're playing it for fun, which is what we've been doing so far, it, you know, I think the rules are, are more than adequate for that. Uh, at this point, you know, without any tweaking, because, you know, no matter what, we've been able to kind of come to a conclusion of, you know, what we think would be in the spirit of the rules and had a fair, a fair judgment on those. And as far as like a casual game to play for fun, I mean, this game is really fun. And I think the way it can swing from turn to turn, you know, within reason, it means you can have comebacks or on certain scenarios that honestly, I, I kind of discredited. I was like, ah, oh, Feast for Crows, like that game mode. I don't know. And then we played it, and I'm like, now that's maybe one of my favorite modes. So there's a lot of depth in the, in the scenarios. And as, I, as we're doing more and more games, you know, we got maybe half a dozen or so. Seeing the depth come through, it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot more going on here. So I'm excited Absolutely. to see how it yeah. continues to grow. I've, I'm starting to really see, like, you know, when it comes to the toolbox of units and, and where, where to put them and wh- what game mode they fit best into. And what's great about this is like, we're just scratching the surface. We're using like, you know, just the most basic stuff, the stuff that's out of the Kickstarter, which, you know, there's a ton of variety just in that alone. But, you know, you can only imagine with the other units that they've spoiled that are coming down the road, you know, there's going to be some really cool stuff that you're going to be able to do uh, in this game. Yeah, and I just feel like I keep, finding out new things about units like the first one was you know the lannister supremacy um you know if the unit is attacked and passes its panic uh test the attacker must make a panic test with a negative two to their role um i didn't realize how good that was at first and now i'm like building my list and i'm like okay like two units of guardsmen like gotta take that uh give him a guard captain i realized how good it was when my when my archers fired 10 shots into you (laughs) killed one guy and then took like six wounds in return it was like Um, jesus loving it and then the other one is you know the berserkers those are terrifying i mean i think i'm scared more of them than i am of of calvary they're just you know bullets from hell just zipping across the battlefield and buzzsawing through things sundering is so good Oh so good i mean anytime you can get like especially if you get them in the flank and you're like at a minus two it's like suddenly like even like a really good armor save is looking really bad so yeah the berserkers are awesome you know they've got great morale the only thing they don't have is good armor but then you know it, that's fine you can kill them and then <laughs> you're just going to take a whole bunch more damage coming that, back the other way that first game we played when you just charge them across the battlefield through like a spike barricade taking damage and then you know yep. i'm like oh they're getting whittled down it's like two guys left and they're just like killing entire units off and oh Oh, yeah 
So it's yeah. I I mean that's one of the cool things about this game is that you can you know even when you have one guy left because of the way the ranks work, uh, you know he's still got a chance to do some serious damage, especially if he's berserkers. Like I had um, I played a friend uh, with my friend Kaz, uh, and he literally had just the standard bearer from a unit of Stark Sworn Swords. Uh, and just through a series of ridiculous dice rolls, I mean, he managed to kill like six guys by himself. So it was like all of a sudden he was like Donnie Yen from uh, Rogue One, just smoking everybody. <laughs> the other thing is it's, it's still early enough that we're playing and it's like, oh, this unit seems so powerful. And then you realize, oh, it's actually balanced in a lot of other ways. Uh, and if you get in a different situation, it's it's actually not quite so scary. And you just need to handle them differently. Right, right. Well, it's just like anything else. I mean, like, you know, the first time you're encountering something that's really good, you're like, holy crap, that's, you know, so good. But then you just start to think about, okay, well, if this is working so well for you, how do I break that uh, and make it not work anymore? Uh, You know, one of the ways that, so, you know, I mean, I know we're going to talk about Lannister supremacy as like a whole other topic on its own, but, you know, (laughs) one of the ways that I thought about, okay, I'm going to overcome this by just having a ton more activations than you. So I'm going to get, uh, every possible wolf in my list, right? So we were playing a 40-point game. I had five units, two, and then two wolves. So I had seven total on the board plus two NCU. So I had, uh, you had five and two. So I had two more activations than you did, which meant I could gang up on the guardsmen, try to trigger the guard captain ability, you know, with the wolf who doesn't really care because they're not going to take wounds from morale generally. And so it's like, that's the kind of thing you can start to think about is, uh, you know, ways around whatever your opponent is trying to do. And in particular, the wolves were awesome about just pinning units down, stopping my movement so that I, yeah. you can walk around and get in a better position. I feel like you did such a good job working on your cavalry positioning early on in the wolves. Now when I take my cavalry, my Knights of Casterly Rock, they uh, they usually don't get the charge off. I'm getting hit with other stuff or you're outmaneuvering them very skillfully. So I got to step up my cavalry game. Thankfully, they have... Swing experience. They've it's got Lannister maneuvering su- in, in my- <laughs> and they've got Lannister supremacy. Oh, so when I when I don't get to move, at least they're doing something. Like everything charged them. Exactly. Well, maybe yeah. you'll run away. Yeah. It's always a chance. That's their that's their hallmark is the Lannister supremacy stuff. I actually think that like you know you can lean really hard into that, and that's not a bad idea. Uh, but that also has its own fair share of problems. Um, you know so. Yeah, I think we'll talk quite a bit more about Lannister supremacy in the episode <laughs> when we do a deep dive. As far as, you know, you know, because one of the things I also thought that was great about the Kickstarter was um, it, it was like a really great value. And like before all the stretch goals got attached and then it become an insane value. But like even just the starter set itself, I mean, there's a lot in there. And I don't know, did you did you find that like like, you know, you're getting a lot of good bang for your buck there. Yeah. So I think coming from uh, War Machine and Legion to this, as far as the the level of quality of the sculpts and the actual miniatures, I'm really impressed with the models. I mean, that's probably what stands yeah. out to me the most. Um, whereas maybe, you know, a pewter model or, or something that you might see in War Machine and Hordes might have a little bit more detail. Uh, it's a lot more expensive. And then in Legion, you know, it's I think those are most the most simple models to assemble. These ones you don't even assemble, but you still have a lot of that detail baked in. And I'm just so impressed when they're on the table, rank and file. They look awesome. I mean, I think that's something where Simon really succeeds with all their games is the miniatures are just amazing. Definitely. And I think that's something that you, what you mentioned there is something that's really important, which is going to be either something that people really like or people really don't like, which is the models are pre-assembled, right? So there's a set number of sculpts. I think it's like three or four 
uh, for each unit, and then you get a couple of each one, so you can kind of mix them in. It looks like a cohesive but different enough unit. They are pre-assembled, so uh, on the one hand, it makes customization you know a little more difficult. I mean, it's definitely doable. People are already doing you know modifications, switching heads around, stuff like that. But what's great about it uh, is that you know if you're just trying to you know open up the box and start playing. You know, there's no gluing necessary. You know, the the, the barrier from you uh, getting your box and getting it on the table doesn't exist. You can just, you know, throw some table uh, some some units in a tray uh, and get going right away, which I think is awesome. That was one of the things that really drew me in uh, early on. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever played a war game where I could just buy it and play it. And, you know, that's that's absolutely a great feature of this. The other thing I actually like that we haven't yeah. talked about is the terrain keywords, which I think is something that's maybe sometimes overlooked. It's really great to have a system yeah. where you could put any terrain down that you want and you guys just determine, okay, what are the terrain keywords that it's going to have? Is it going to block line of sight, cover, dangerous, destructible, you know, you name it. Uh, so there's room for you right. if you want to go overboard and just make all this cool terrain. You can do that or you can just stick what's in the box it is a shame that the Kickstarter terrain was ex- uh, Kickstarter ex- exclusive because I think it's one of the things that I have that I, I'm the most happy to have. It really adds a lot yes. to the table, and you can take the trees out so that there's still a footprint, so it's easy to move the troops through that area. But I'll be interested to see as the game launches and, and takes off without the Kickstarter terrain uh, what people are going to come up with in addition for those hobby enthusiasts all you guys out there that are already putting green putty on your models and, and modifying them. But you know, what's that terrain going to look like? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the, my biggest regrets of my life is that I did not buy the terrain <laughs> set in the Kickstarter. You know, I was just thinking, you know what? I mean, again, coming from like X-Wing and I kind of liked, uh, you know, the, the, the asteroids were, were flat, right? Mm-hmm. So it just made it easier to move over. So I thought, you know what? I mean, it's good enough for me. I'll just, I'll, that's what I'll do with the, uh, uh, with game of Thrones. But then, uh, you know, having seen it on the table and how easy it is to pull stuff out I was like geez louise i you know i wish i had bought that uh but you know i think the nice thing is that i know you so i can <laughs> that's true yeah and who knows maybe down the line they'll come out with other terrain sets that are not these ones oh i mean if this yeah, takes off I, if this game that, really takes that, off they're gonna have to because it's people are gonna be scooping that up they could fund the the whole company just off the terrain i mean look look at fantasy flight i mean they sold you know they had a whole release dedicated to barricades yeah yes uh, I'm, I'm a little, People... little bitter about that still that was the one month release of uh, <laughs> uh. you know i mean so the, there's markets out there I, I think that what what they're tapping into a little bit here and I think is uh, you're seeing it in other games is that uh, there's still very much the hobby side of the, the war gaming, but there's also a kind of desire for something that is, you know, packaged in a way that you can just get it to the table as quickly as possible where like X-Wing, for example, right? So X-Wing, what, what they did that was really smart was that they released these pre-painted pre-assembled models that you could just buy, put them on the table right after you buy them and they're good to go. Right. And I think this is sort of in that same vein, at least as far as the models go, uh, is that, you know, no, they're not painted, which is great because then you can get into that part of the hobby. But then, you know, if they kind of extended that to the terrain side of things, then you can really kind of put some cool stuff in on the table and, you know, not have to think too much about it. I think people are willing to buy that kind of stuff, you know? I absolutely agree. The other thing I think would be cool is when they come out with the actual army packs, like the Night's Watch or the Wildlings, they're saying that's going to be like a $70 boxed army or $79.99, something like that. That's a really reasonable entry point. 
Um, and uh, yes. I think that it's going to really open up the game where some people might look at the starter set, even though it's an incredible value and say, yeah, it's over a hundred bucks. It's that's a lot of money for a game that I, I might not like. I've got to try it out. And for, you know, a lot of the dedicated uh, gamers or, or war gaming enthusiasts like that, you know, that's not that much in the greater scheme of things. Like for those of you that still are sticking it out with age of Sigmar and things like that, that's like what a unit, I don't know at this point, <laughs> but um, <laughs> <Me neither. laughs> at, at 80 bucks you get in, you get a whole army you can play with. I mean, that's amazing. Um, yeah. so that'll be, that'll yeah. be really helpful. I think that's cool is that, like they, they include the terrain in there. They include dice and they include a rule book. It's so it's, you know, it's not like some games where you have to buy the starter to begin playing. Like if you're going like, I don't have any interest in Starks or Lannisters. I just want to get going. You could just buy the Night's Watch box and then you're, you know, you're off to the races. You got everything you need. You got your ruler, you got your, uh, terrain pieces, uh, the, the Night's Watch wall, uh, piece for the storm of swords game mode is the actual wall made of ice which is like you know that's a really cool win i think for them i think ultimately <laughs> you know I, I would i'd be shocked if they didn't come out with like a similar box for uh you know lannisters and starks right just having like a one bot like a one faction uh box for those yeah i wonder or are the starks a popular enough faction that you always have that coupled in the starter set and people are going to want to buy the starter set just to get them because it's the most yeah. uh, economical way to do that. I don't know. We'll have to see what yeah, their strategy I, I'd is. I'd be interested to see, like, long term, if they if they have plans to to continue the um the. Because I think the the two player set is great, but you know, I mean, some people just they don't want to buy stuff for them and an imaginary friend that, <laughs> that exactly. doesn't play with them. They just gotta uh, find you know, they find that other Josh in the comment thread. Oh, there's yeah, a Josh. Exactly. Maybe I know a Josh. And if they don't play, make that Josh play. <laughs> and the Facebook page have done a really good job with, you know, trying to help people get their own sort of regional uh, pages set up. I think, you know, the big thing here, again, is that once we get the retail ball rolling, uh, you know, once the game actually comes out and, and is available for purchase, uh, I think that's when, you know, we should really start thinking about, you know, or and we, I mean, as a, as a community of people who enjoy, play this game and enjoy it, um, you know, should start thinking about hosting like demo days. I, I know other people have already done stuff like that and showed people the game and said, you know, here's uh, what's coming up. Here's how the game works. Uh, and, and I think, you know, again, sorry to go keep going back to things I like about the game is that I find that it's really easy to teach, to learn and to teach uh, to people because everything is right on the cards. Uh, and so it just makes things very streamlined. And I think it's going to be a really good game that you can teach people really easily uh, and get them into it. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, they're already getting ready to push out some new units for the Lannisters and the Starks. Uh, those won't be out for a little while, but it's nice to see that they're already committed to expanding the, the base set uh, and not just pushing on to like new. I believe so. Now, there might have been a delay on it at this point, but those okay. alchemists... I keep playing the Lannisters and saying, man, how am I going to get those alchemists to work? They've got a short-range attack. I'm getting my crossbowmen destroyed from long range. Case in point today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Turn one. I think, well, <laughs> I, I think what you're, it's going to depend on the game mode, right? And then what's great about them, though, is like even if you don't get the, the short-range ranged version, even if you're hitting them in close combat, you're still killing an enemy on, at range. Like even if you roll a one, right well yeah you just kill yourself also. <laughs> and then it's also got vicious and ignores armor saves so i mean it's you pretty know, potent you, if you get them in with like a unit of i mean of course we're just you know painting the most pretty picture possible here but like you know you, you throw them in there with some bolton flayed men you know who have that two plus armor save and normally are very scary all of a sudden you know everything that you roll is a hit 
and everything you roll <laughs> does a wound with no armor save, and then you also get the minus two morale check, which is just you know, which is definitely gonna go off, right? Right. So they're kind of like a, a crazy. maybe a berserker style unit in that it's that one like scary unit running down the board that you're like, okay, that's a definite hard counter to something. How do I deal with it? Now, I mean, since they don't have, I mean, just you know, thinking since they don't have Lannister supremacy, I would shoot them with archers, but you know, darn it, it, it really depends. Uh, you know, there's 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 different ways to handle them for sure. And of course, without getting too much yeah, of this, we'll be stuff coming up. yeah, and we'll be looking at that in our next <laughs> yeah. episode, talking about the Stark units, tactics, preview units. We'll be also talking in the following episode about the Lannisters and and all their wonderful, amazing things they can do because aren't they just an amazing faction in themselves? Um, and if you have ideas and you're <laughs> and you're listening to this and you're like, hey man, I wanna, I got some ideas or have you thought about this combo or you really should talk about this? Um, make sure you message us. Uh, we're on the Discord. Uh, I'm at Faust, F-A-U-S-T-E. Uh, if you're in the Discord for Legion, shoot me a message. And Josh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, I'm also on the Discord channel. I'm uh, Stormy6901. You know, that's a uh, C-Lab reference for all you guys that are my <laughs> age. And then, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll be in there complaining about Lannister supremacy for the next couple of <laughs> weeks until I figure out a way to counter it all the time. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to hearing from you guys and, uh, you know, talk more about Song of Ice and Fire. Sweet. All right. So stay tuned and check us out next week. We have our next episode coming out. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, pass us on. Help support us if you're enjoying this. If you've got tips for ways that we could improve, um, we'd love to hear that too because we're really passionate about this game and we want to help build the community and get you guys the content information that you want to hear so that this can be successful. Thanks again. Check us out next week. And we hope you get a Song of Ice and Fire the miniature game on the table. <laughs>